Hi, and welcome to the Two Minute Time Lord podcast number 409. I'm Chip Sutterth, and this episode is greatly delayed, for which I apologize. It is our stage interview from Long Island Who in November with Noel Clark. Noel talks about his work outside of Doctor Who, as well as his turn as Mickey Smith. More episodes of the Two Minute Time Lord podcast are available at TWOMinuteTimeLord.com, and I'm on social media at numeral Two Minute Time Lord. Without any further ado, here's Noel Clark. Morning, everybody. That's, that's better. How's everybody doing? Hope everybody's had a great weekend here at Long Island Who. My name's Chip Sutterth, and I'm host of the Two Minute Time Lord podcast, but you're not here to see me. You're here to see actor, director, writer, producer, Noel Clark. And feedback. Noel, how's your convention been? Fun. Good fun. Good fun. It's, uh, yeah, it's been amazing. I, uh, I've never done... I don't do many, and I've, n- I've never done this one, so it's been great. What gave you the, what gave, what gave you the opportunity to uh, come out this time? Uh, they paid the fee. <laughs> well, right, I mean, let's not, you know, <laughs> I, I'm not one of those guys, that, like, I, I'm, I'm a fan, I'm a sci-fi fan and stuff like that, and I never, ever, no matter where I go, I, I don't like taking money from, from fans, I will never do it. So I always say I'm not going to do that, so I'm like... I will never do that. You guys do what you have to do, but if you hit my rate, I'm coming. But awesome. to be fair, I've come here and I've loved every minute of it. Glad, glad that you have. Glad you have. Now, at the, um, at the color separation overlay panel yesterday, yeah. you, you just said that you know, you're a sci-fi fan. I, 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 I'm in the back and I'm listening. Oh, and this is good water, man. It's cucumber and lemon and stuff. It's good. Sorry. Uh, they, uh, it, during the panel, you're talking about the... Uh, you're talking about you know the difference between the Ultimates and the Avengers. Yeah. And I'm sitting back here going, my God, he is one of us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so seriously. I know, because I saw Dennis kind of, as I said it, Dennis was like, <laughs> I could see him nodding out of the corner of his eye. He does know. That's amazing. I know. Well, what, talk a little bit about when, growing up and all that. How did you, how involved were you with in genre fiction and uh, being a fan of stuff? You know, how involved were you? Well, I mean, always. I, I say involved is, is strong because I was a kid. Like, I, I just, but always, I always watched the shows. You know, there was a, sh- you know, and even the stuff that was kind of base sci-fi, like Knight Rider, because at the time, a car like that, I mean, that's like, a car like that now would be like, dude, that's rubbish car. My car does this. But, you know, and there was Airwolf and... Blue Thunder and Auto Man. Was it one Auto Man? He used to go so fast, the car There was all these kind of things and Street Hawk. You know, there was all those kind of stuff. And then, you know, I was uh, Star Trek, the ne- um, Next Generation, like all over that, all over that. And then Deep Space Nine and then Voyager I loved. And, you know, I even used to come up with, uh, with sh- I- I'm really interested to see what the new Star Trek TV show that they announced right. is going to be about. Right. Because, um, I have my own idea. I should tell you my idea quickly so that if it's similar, you can be like, yeah. All right, I'll tell you my idea quickly, just quickly. I'm just going to go on a time. So my idea, for example, would be like Star Trek Renegade, right? And the thing would be that it's, it's not now, but it's now is in the, the time. And there's like a, a war, a federation are doing this. And then boom, something happens. And a ship gets sent like 100 years in the future. 
right, to the same coordinates 100 years in the future. So then it's kind of like Voyager, but not just over there, but 100 years in the future. But then they get there, and when they get to this place, they realize that now the Federation are the bad guys, and they're actually stranded in this place when the Federation are the bad guys, and they have to fix up their ship, so it's like a kind of renegade ship, and blah, 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 blah. And the whole point is to get back to the point, back to the past, so that it can stop the war and stuff like that. That would be my idea, Star Trek renegade. That would be my idea. Oh. So, so, so the campaign, the, the, the write-in campaign now for that plot line, since they're still looking for a showrunner, it begins now. And it's, uh, so. Yeah, you guys go on social media and tell them, yo, or let them see this video, send it to them, and be like, this is the guy. This is the guy. So if in, 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 a, in a world where you could do anything, if this Star Trek project, they come, to, they come to Noel Clark and say, we want you involved, would you want to be involved as, in the name of the, this panel, the, as an actor, a writer, a director? Or a producer? Um, well, it's paramount, so they would never let you produce it. Well. Um, so, I pro I probably actor and writer. Mm -hmm. Actor and, and writer I would probably want, yeah. Captain yeah. of the yeah, time-traveling ship is yeah, Noah the, Clark. Uh, yeah, dude, can you imagine? Oh, oh dude, can you imagine? We could, get, we could get behind that. Well, stick, sticking with Star Trek for a minute. Um, so, I, I came late to Star Trek Into Darkness, and I so you missed you missed my scenes. Not, not literally, late, <laughs> not literally, late. but but I'm watching I'm watching the movie, and uh, Chris Pine and Zachary Quinto, and everybody's being quippy, and they're having the hijinks on the, uh, yeah. the cliff top and all that stuff, and then we come to you, yeah, and you are all of a sudden the the realist one, the, the realist character that we've run into. Uh, in that movie so yeah. far, it's a short part, but it, it's really powerful. Um, how did you get? How did you get the role? And um, uh, and could you talk a little bit about uh, bringing this very realistic, tortured character into uh, into a J.J. Abrams? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So I mean, uh, so the role was just a st standard audition. Uh, I went on tape. Like I did a tape this morning for a movie in my in my room with uh, with someone reading it offline and. It was like that. It was like they re they requested me. They're like they think you'll be good for this part. It was a non-race specific part, but somebody think one of the casting directors was was a Doctor Who fan or something. Was like, hey, he could be great for that, and they 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 said, hey, tape for this. And it was like, you know, I think LA sometimes forget that they're not the only place in the world. So I got I got sent it on a Monday, you know, at I guess 10 o'clock their time or 11 o'clock their time. That like, we need this on Wednesday. I'm like, dude, it's 8 p.m. Like, I have one day to turn this around and get it back to you. They're like, we need it. I'm like, oh, so I call up all the taping places, the professional ones where you go, and you know, they go, hey, my name is Noel Clark, and this is my order. And they're all booked up. They're like, whoa, one day notice, no, they were So I end up doing it in my kitchen with my friend, reading the offlines, much like the tape I did this morning. Um, and send it off, I'm like, this is the, the fridge is buzzing. You know, there's like, sirens in the house. This is the worst tape ever. And I send it off, and then about a week later, my American agent was at the time, like, hey, we need to have a conversation. I'm like, all right, great. And then the manager's like, I'm going to be on the call too. I'm like, hmm. Manager's on the call. Agents are on the call. I'm either fired or I've got the job. I was like, There's, the American agents, they're not interested in little old me. Like, I'm not making, like, my commission doesn't buy their house. You know what I mean? I don't care. So I'm like, okay. I'm old enough now to know. I'm either fired or I've got this movie. And then I, I got the movie. And it was great. So that, and then, uh, in terms of playing it, I, I mean, I had children by then, so I can understand what the character was going through. I can understand like 
the difficult and awful decision that the man had to make. And was, was what he did right? No, because he killed other people. That's just not acceptable. But in his mind, to save his child, he felt that's what he needed to do, that his daughter could have a life. You know, so I, I, I get it, I get it, you know. Um, but interestingly, the, the Chris Pine scene and the cliffs and all that kind of stuff, in this, originally they were the other way around. You first? Mine was first, yeah. When they did the previews in London, they used to do previews and show the first 10 minutes of the movie. My, my scenes were first, and I think during that test, they kind of were like, it might start it two down, and so they flipped those scenes around. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. but, the, and, and it, but the contrast between what... The, the hijinks then, and then this very real scene yeah. uh, gives, the, gives the movie a whole lot of weight. Did you know that, I mean, the funny thing was at the time was that J.J. Uh, Abrams was like, oh no, this is John Harrison. He, there's no way he's con. There's no yeah. way he's con. Yeah. Did you know right from the beginning when the script came yeah, out I know, about yeah. the, how, how the whole thing was going? Yeah, out? I mean, no, no, one, no, one, no one told you per se, but you know, I'm on set and you know, Ben's there and you're talking to Jeff. Like, I, I knew. So your friend, so your friend who's uh, re reading you the lines for the audition tape? Uh, no, he, no, he didn't know. No, that wasn't. All the, the dialogue in the audition thing was different. It was different, and there was there was more. And actually, I had a scene when I go to the, the, the console. I call Peter Weller. I call Peter Weller, and we had a, we had dialogue, but it flagged him as the villain too early, so they took it out. Because mm. I don't just go there and drop the ring. There's a whole thing where I call him up and go, "Listen, I have a message for you from such and such from John Harrison, right. et cetera, et cetera." And, but it, it kind of flagged him as, you know, too early. Now that was that was your <coughs> biggest big Hollywood experience to yeah. date, right? What did what did you learn from that? <clears throat> I learned from that that uh, it, it's awesome. It's it's great. You know, I, I really kind of started to like the town of you know the city of Los Angeles because previously I didn't like it. You know, it was just like oh this place you can't walk anywhere. You know, everyone's fake. Like it's just annoying. You know, they don't let me in the Playboy Mansion. I just turn no joke. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, and then. But then I was there for that four months, you know, and, and they're really funny, these American movies. I also learned they're so big, they're so big. And they deal around, you know, they obviously they base the schedule around the actors. So <clears throat> I get there and they're like, right, week one, you're going to be filming on Wednesday. I'm like, great. Okay, Wednesday, week one. They're like, week one, you're on, week two, you're on Thursday. So I'm like, so, okay, so one day a week, okay. They go, then you have a week off so you can relax. I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I'm like what? I'm like, I would have shot a whole movie in that time. In London, you're like, every day, six day weeks, you know, you, you shoot a movie. Um, but then spending time there with my kids and my like, wife, like we were all there for the whole time. It was, I, I kind of enjoyed the city. And I, I learned that they're just, they're just bigger. Everything's bigger. Mm -hmm. You know, and knowing how to make budget films on a low budget, I sometimes question the need. I'm like, did they need to spend like 80 million on catering? Like, you know. But I, but I get it. You know, the more they spend, the more spectacular they make it. The more people can can watch it. Did you uh, learn anything from? Uh, your, as, and we'll get to your, your own directing career. Uh, did you learn anything from? J watching yeah, I mean, if I can work? like anticipate your question, did I learn anything from Jay? Like everything. The guy's amazing. I, I just he he is an amazing guy. Like, I don't know if he has a room in his house that he smashes up or anything like. But he's always in a good mood. Like, wow. I picture him going home, putting on like boxing gloves and going in his room, just like, ah, oh! cause like he's always smart. Like he was always in a good mood. I've never met someone and I'm not like that. Like I, I can be very unapproachable if I want to be. Like he was just always in a good mood and you always felt like he was there if you needed him. 
you know, and he was just great. He was just great. And it was really great watching him and how he conducts himself because, you know, when you're a director, you're, you're essentially the captain of a very big ship <clears throat> and everyone's important, but you are the captain. If you come in and you have an attitude, then that can filter down all the way. And he was never like that, never like that. So it's great. Amazing. Now, uh, we will get to Noel's oh, experience. Oh, yeah. um, yeah. We will get to Noel's experience on Doctor Who uh, soon, but... He is a he is a writer director producer and you've had two big um, announcements uh, very recently. Yeah. Um, a comic series from Titan called The Troop. Yeah. And uh, you and you're completing <coughs> it sounds like the uh, third uh, the third part of your uh, trilogy yeah. of movies uh, that started with Kid Hood. Yeah. Somebody seen it? Adult. And in the middle was adulthood, and now something called brotherhood. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> yeah, we're supposed to be doing that movie. I mean, kidhood for those guys that haven't seen it is is probably the reason I'm sitting here right now. I doubt, you know, Doctor Who especially is, is the reason, but that kind of is the thing that kept me working after Doctor Who because you know a lot of actors do Doctor Who, you never see him again, like, apart from the things like this. But because I had that. And it's kind of like a, you know, it's not for everyone here, but it's kind of like a boys in the hood type movie, but it was in, in London, in the UK, where I grew up. And it, it became quite a big movie. And then I, I did the second one uh, a couple years later and, you know, won at the British Academy Award Rising Star thing. And um, we recently, after 10 years, recently announced that we're going to do the third one. So that, that's quite interesting. And then, uh, yeah, Titan Comics are the comic company that do the Doctor Who comics. So you guys should know them. You know, some of you, I've seen you with the, the Peter Capaldi issue. So Titan Comics... <coughs> I guess they know me from Doctor Who, and they asked me if I had any uh, ideas, and so I pitched them a couple ideas, and so I have a graphic novel coming out as well. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what the troop is? Uh, I know it's coming out in December, but that's... December 9th, yeah. Um, so the troop is a, is a sort of teenage superhero team, you know, much like you see in a lot of other comics, but I wanted to really, much like my films, Kidulthood and Adulthood, I really wanted to address the issues that teens face and the things that teens do and not like sugarcoat it to the point where, hey, I'm a teenager and you know, nobody knows I do this and my parents think I just go to school and actually you know, kids skip school, they do stuff and it's not trying to glamorize or, or ex be exploitative about anything, but it's just trying to show like, this is how, this is how some kids just behave. You know, they go through hard things. Some kids you think, oh, she's a bit introverted and, but you don't know she's self-harming and like, people don't pay attention to this stuff. And it's terrible when you find out that a young guy or young girl is self-harming because no one's paying attention to the fact they're being bullied or, or this is happening and stuff. So the troop has that stuff in it. And so it's, it's definitely a maturer read for, for older readers, I guess, but um, older teenagers. But it really, hopefully, I, you know, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful to parents, hopefully some younger teenager will get, will, will get hold of it because they actually are living it, even though their parents don't want to admit it, they're living that kind of like, you know what? He, he does get bullied and this happens and I want to stop it or I want to know, I want to see a character going through what I'm going through so that maybe when that character gets through it in the book, it might help me get through it or I might see how stupid I think that character is doing that and it might stop me from doing it. You know, so it's kind of, it's kind of that kind of thing really, you know. Yeah. You started on, when did you do Kidulthood? Kidulthood was, I mean, that was a process. I mean, Kidulthood was written in 2000. It was written in 2000. It wasn't, it wasn't picked up by anyone until 2003. It wasn't filmed until 2004, and it wasn't released until 2006. Goodness. 
yeah, sometimes movies are like that, you know, and, and that was, so that was, yeah, so that next year will be 10 years since it was released. So I, I, I have to assume that you were drawing a lot of it on, because it had such a long gestation period, you were drawing a lot from your experiences as a youth and uh, with uh, the people that you knew yeah. back then. And you've been staying with these characters for so long. And how old are your kids now? My kids now are seven, four, and five weeks. Thank so, you. wow. Thanks. We'll, we'll compare notes about how you do it. I've got, I have enough troubles with just one. Um, <laughs> but now you're coming at these characters with teenagers on, on the way. Yeah. You're, 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 six away, you're six years away from, from having a teenager. From the first one being a teenager, yeah, I know. So how does that change, how does that change the story that you're telling? It changes everything. Like, it's so, uh, and I, I'll say something I said yesterday, but it's so, you know, the, the main character in the film is a, it was a 19-year-old kid who hit someone with a baseball bat, essentially, and killed him. He didn't mean to kill him, but he was a, he was a, he was a, a tool. And then he goes to jail, Six years later, he comes out, and that was the second movie. But I'm like, take that guy. So 10 years, 10 years ago, he came out of jail. Take that guy, who now can probably not get a good job and all this kind of stuff. Move him 10 years forwards with children, and what, what is he doing? What's his life like? And that's kind of where the, the, the perspective of this film comes from. And also, for, for me, you know, when I was younger, <clears throat> and a lot of guys will relate to this, younger, younger you're so like... Yeah, what are you looking at? You know, you're so kind of like, what? What did you say? And everything's about bravado and I'm, 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 my, my muscles are bigger than yours. I can do this. I can do that. Um, but then, but then it's mostly bravado. And but then you you can wuss out when stuff happens. But sometimes it's too late. Bravado takes men in places that they shouldn't go sometimes, and then it's too late. But then, being older, I'm completely the opposite. I'm like, I, I don't want any trouble. I don't want anything. I, you know, I'm like, I won't even look at someone too long. I'm like, whatever. I ain't got time for it. Life's too short. But I have children now. So I'm the most calm, peaceful guy I can be because you, you love your children and all that. But you put my children in danger, then it goes to a whole new level. Like, it's like, you, you're just not doing that, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's almost instinctual. Like, and it's so strange because you're no longer this bravado-filled teenager you're this calm guy who's trying to raise his kids, but if you put my kids in danger, I will flip out. And that is kind of like where the movie is. And it's like, there's a line in, in the last movie that says, um, and I said this yesterday, but there's a line in the last movie that at the time, 10 years ago, I was like, yeah, this line is like, never mess with a guy who's got nothing to lose. That's where I was in my life. I was like, yeah, if you have nothing to lose, and I was making that movie knowing I was writing, directing, and acting it, and if it failed, I would have lose, I, 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 but at the time I didn't have anything anyway. So it's like, hey, so that's where I was in my mindset. And now the line in this movie says, well, another character throws it in his face. You said never mess with a guy that has nothing to lose. And he says, yeah, but I realize now that I've got a family, the only person more dangerous than somebody with nothing to lose is somebody who could lose everything. And it's like, that's now kind of where it's at. You know, there, was, there isn't a parent in here who wouldn't do anything. There isn't a parent in here who wouldn't go that extra mile for their kid. Every parent in it would do anything to make sure that their kid is okay. And that's kind of where the film's at now. So, Brotherhood, it's going to be a light and fluffy... Uh, kids movie. Kids movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, heavy storytelling, serious yes. storytelling. 
heavy drama, yeah. Has that been the sort the, the sort of storytelling that you've wanted to focus on? I mean, you you started working working on Kid Althood so many years ago, yeah. well before um, you started showing up on the screen as Mickey Smith. Yeah. Um, did you see yourself early on as you decided that you wanted to get be, become a creative? Did you see yourself as an actor or a writer or just a creator? All I wanted to do originally was act. That's all I wanted to do. But as I started doing more and more, and like I said yesterday in one of the panels, a lot of it happened by necessity, but then I realized I wanted to create and stuff like that. And I feel like no matter what I do, heavy storytelling is what I prefer. Because I'm a very, I'm just a real guy. And I don't, I feel like, and I said this yesterday, you know, especially this country, this country has a, 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 a and I, I, you know, I'm not against any of your, what do you in your constitution, your, uh, the Bill of Rights. Yeah, I'm not against anything. But this country has a real fixation on, on weapons. And like, I feel like you can have TV shows where people get blown up from minute one and everyone's like, yeah, yeah, send me USA. Like, that's great, right? People getting shot, amazing guns. You have one boob on screen and the country goes into meltdown. <laughs> Nipple gate. Like, what the f Like, excuse my language, kids. I'm so, like, but really? Like, re like, really? It's like, it's ridiculous. Like, I, I, you know, we're, we're trying to say that it's okay to show people getting their heads blown off, but the most natural thing is like disgraceful when you, you shame people for it and it's like you wanna, you wanna end their careers because their boob came out on TV. By accident, I might add. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, or you wanna destroy a young lady because she got out of a car without underwear on. Now, should she wear underwear? Maybe, but that's her choice. I tell you what shouldn't happen. I tell you what shouldn't happen. A photographer shouldn't be putting his camera down on the ground to get up her skirt. Like that's what shouldn't happen, you know. And I think this, this country. I love this country, but there's some things that are so. A lot of my write, and that filters to the UK as well because we're so closely aligned. A lot of my writing is just like it's real. I'll put nudity. I'll put nudity in a film just to annoy you because I know that. <laughs> Just because I know that people go, oh, why is he always putting nudity in his movies? It's like, well, why is it, why is it a problem? I've, you've just seen four guys get stabbed and we're like, yeah! And then a naked woman walks out, you're like, oh, God. Oh, oh my God. You see one penis, you're like, right, get your bag, we're leaving, get the kids, grab the kids. Charlene, come on! Like, what, what, what's going on, like, you know? So I do, like, you, you watch a lot of my films, no matter what, I always sneak something in. I do it, because I want, I, I, I like to rile people a little bit. Just get under their skin a little bit and just, just say something that will just test their limits and see where they're at, you know? I kind of dig that a little bit. I like that too. Um, I, guess we, I guess it's time to talk about Mickey Smith. Jeff, what'd, you, what'd you guys say? So you've been, you've been talking a lot this weekend about uh, the process and how, just like with uh, your character in Star Trek, yeah. uh, Mickey Smith was, n there was no template for Mickey. No, there wasn't. You, 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 were, you were the one who took the role. Um, what, were those early, what were those early days like as you all were trying to figure out, you, the producers, the writers, everybody was trying to figure out how to make this new thing. What I mean, was it like for you? It was on set. The thing was on set. It was great. You know, there was no issues on set. On set was great. There was not. You know, there was nothing like that. It was just, uh, and to be honest, nobody knew. Like I, I, I not, not everyone says that. I say I thought the tone was different, and, and I think it's clear if you watch Rose, Aliens, and Underworld, the tone is different. But I felt, I felt that I was not doing what I should be doing. You know, I, I came straight off another show. 
straight into it. And I mean, I, honestly, I know a lot of you guys are going, no, don't be ridiculous. You try and be polite. No, no, no. But I, like, I, was, I thought I was really terrible. As a performer and an actor, playing those first three episodes, the way that I played them, I just thought was, was terrible. And I mean, they kind of matched the tone of those three episodes, Rose, Aliens, and Underworld War III. But like, it was just terrible. I was terrible. And it really was like, it wasn't just buffoonery, but it's like, it just wasn't good. And so, and I've said that many times, like publicly, I'm not ashamed to say it. Like if I'm not good, I wasn't, I wasn't good, you know? And so set was fine, but it's like, everyone was finding their feet. And I guess I was finding my feet within the vehicle that was finding its feet. So if that's finding its feet and you're finding your feet within that, plus you're the comic relief, it can come across ridiculous. And like, people didn't like Mickey at all. Like, it's all, you know, oh, I, I liked him. You didn't like him. Like, people did not like him. Mm -hmm. I, I, they didn't. Like, people know, I, I always knew that he was going to grow. I knew he was going to become badass. You didn't know, man. You didn't know. <laughs> like, people did there's, there's always one guy, like, oh, I knew, I knew, buddy. I knew. I, I thought from the first moment, no, he's going to become. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. Um, and so it, it was, uh, yeah, it just was, it was a, a learning process. But he, he wasn't popular, and I... Quite, I guess quite rightly. I think sometimes people don't, or the one thing I will say in his defense, I think sometimes people don't always get, you know, they're like, oh, he's so stupid. He comes out of the TARDIS and he grabs hold of her leg and it's ridiculous. I mean, like, okay, let's put it in real life, right? In real life. If that happened to you, you would freak the out. You know what I mean? <laughs> let's not, you know, you're a Doctor Who fan. You get it. You know what a TARDIS is. He, the character in the real world was, he's just a regular guy. He goes into a, a, a box that is like a million times bigger on, he freaked out. A lot of you would freak out. So let, in his defense, I will say that. But still, it was like he wasn't popular. And I, I think quite rightly. Well, it changed during- Oh, I liked him, I liked him. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but it certainly changed, not, e not even, you didn't even have to wait until the second season to- No, boom, uh, boom town. You, you, you were working on it. You were working on it all, all throughout. Yeah. So what helped make that transition? Um, in terms of you finding your feet and the people, the people and the showrunners finding their feet. So a, a couple things. So season one, I get, I call it one. Mm -hmm. I guess, as I mentioned a few times, Boomtown was not written. Russell had left that gap for for episode eleven because he wanted to figure out who he liked and wanted to figure out what he wanted to do with it. And then he said, look, I really like you. I'm going to put you in. And then he wrote that, that stuff, you know, it's always going to be the doctor and never me. And it's like, okay, wow, this is, uh, this is interesting. And I think that's where you start seeing the change. Mm -hmm. That's when you start seeing the change. And then I was like, okay, that's interesting. And then by the time we were shooting, um, tell me, what are they called? End of the, what was it called? Parting of the Ways. Parting of the Ways and, uh, yeah, by the time they, they thank you. Bad Wolf. By the time they were getting shot, I had seen Rose, Aliens, and Underworld War III, not like on TV, but I'd done my voiceover stuff and I'd seen him and I was like, I don't like this. Like, not the show, but I was like, I don't know. So I said, can I, I asked him, can I cut my hair? So like, I was like thinking, hmm. So Boomtown, I still had the little like small afro kind of thing and I was like, I don't wanna cut my hair. So when I come back in those ones, when I'm in the big yellow truck, my hair's shorter and that for me, that's the start in the, the progression. And then mid between seasons, Russell said to me, listen, I really like you, I wanna bring you back. I'm like, great. Um, I wanna start writing him more to suit your personality. So Russell had his genius plan. He did have a plan, but I think like when he wrote Mickey at the start, he didn't have a plan. I feel like watching me do it and going, I like this guy, I'm gonna put him in Boomtown. Oh yeah, do the haircut, I'm gonna put him in Parting of the Ways. 
then he was like, I think I know where I want to take this. So then that, I think it, those things sort of formulated it. So the hair never goes back. You, you, you start again in, um, I don't know, I think maybe in the first one, I think in the first one of the, in the next season, it was a little high. But after that, it's, it's shaven and that's the beginning. And then slowly but surely this, the stubble starts coming in. So by the time I end that season and I come back in uh, Journey's End, there's a little bit of stubble in the black outfit. Then he disappears again. And then is the end of time. Yep. Then it's like, mm -hmm. like that's, that was the progression. So basically, the, the, the secret to me becoming more successful in life is to just get rid of all yeah, of this. Yeah, dude. Shave the hair down. Not like skinhead, like a, like a one or two. And like you have to pout a little bit like. <laughs> <laughs> now, you have to brood. You have to brood a bit like, you know, what's up? What's up? Because, hey, Noel. <laughs> hey, hey. You good? Cool. You know, you're like, hey, guys. You know, no, 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 no. You can't do that. Hey. That's what you're Monos Monosyllables. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Now, but you worked, you, you played the process in series two. You didn't, uh, you didn't go straight uh, from, you didn't go straight from zero to 60. You took, you took Mickey carefully up to the point where by the end of the season, he's a badass. That's Russell's writing, man. That's like Russell, like, you know, I, I, I by that point, he told me what he was going to do. And I, I was like, so into it because, not because I don't like to act and be different. I loved being the buffoon, although I didn't think I did it well. I loved being different, because it's not me. But the chance to be cooler and gruffer is like, you, you know, you want to be an action hero. No one wants to be, not many people want to be Q, you want to be Bond. Do you know what I mean? Right. Not many people want to be Robin, well, a few people might want to be Robin, but not many people want to be Robin, you want to be Batman. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so when he was like, yeah, you're going to be cool. It's like, well, I can't be the doctor or even Captain Jack because Captain Jack was such a phenomenon. So cool. You can't be that, but you can start forging your own, you know, not just be the character that people go. Uh, and, you know, it, it filters. It filters everywhere because, like, action figures were getting made and, like, all these action figures are coming out and then yours isn't there. And you're kind of like, well, okay. And you know that's because of the unpopularity of the character. Like, you know. They, they do their research and they go, well, people are not going to buy this one. Then slowly you get more popular, then one day, bang, you're actually, and I've only got one, like there was only ever one, but still, like, it, ca it came. <laughs> you know, it happened. Russell does seem to like to write characters that grow into something else. That's, that, seems to be, uh, that seems to be the thing. He did that with Mickey, he did that with uh, Donna Noble. Mm -hmm. um, I, asked, I asked before what you learned from J.J. Abrams. What did you learn from working with Russell? Working with Russell, just, just his pure drive and his, his genius in terms of what you're saying, in terms of creating worlds and characters. Like, he doesn't, there isn't a show that starts or he doesn't know what's going to happen at, like, at the end. There isn't a strand in a story. He, like, he knows where everything's going. Like, even if he changes his mind halfway through and can adapt it, like, he knows. Some writers don't do that. I mean, you look at some shows and they start, you think this is great, and by mid-season one, you're like, I don't know if they know what they're doing, you know? Yeah. And sometimes they don't know if they're going to get season two. So at the end of season one, the season two starts and you're just like, well, why have they kind of reset the whole show? You know, but Russell knows what he's doing. And I think that that was what I learned. Definitely. Before we open it up to questions, I'd like to sort of loop back to the beginning of our conversation when I was asking you about uh, your, your, your fandom gene, as yeah. it were. Uh, on the Mutants DVD, you uh, did the uh, narration for a documentary that uh, Simon Garrier, I think, um, uh, called Race Against Time. No idea. 
uh, race, but uh, it was talking about the history of Doctor Who and how it handled uh, racial issues and things like that. Did you have any input on that? Um, did you learn anything from that that sort of put the things that you'd been watching on the telly back back when you were a kid into certain context? And did it make you feel differently about Doctor Who? No, it didn't make me feel differently about Doctor Who because we, what we have to re remember is you know, t times have changed. You know, there's still racism and prejudice against uh, people that have disabilities and, and against women, you know, but I didn't look back at Doctor Who and go, man, this show was terrible. There was no people of color. Like that, 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 that was the time. That was the time, and, and things move, move with the times. Like, um, so it, it is what it is. And, and I, like, there was no point, there's no point in looking back at something and going, in 1945, you had no black people, you're a disgrace. It's like, well, how many were there in the, you know, there were a few, and I always talked to Carson and the rest, like, hey, you know, there were people here, but it still, it wasn't of the time, so, you know, it is what it is, but I definitely, you know, I like the way TV and film is moving. I think uh, it's important, you know, for equality. I, I like this equal pay stuff in, in, that's happening in Hollywood and stuff, but I always do say, like, these things shouldn't just be done for the sake of it. It's like, if people are best for the job, they should get the job. No, no matter where they're from. It's just starting to, in, in, from the ground floor up, enabling people of all ethnicities and abilities to be able to have the tools so that they can be best at the job. Yeah, you know? and, if you're not, and if you're not taking the time to grow the next generation, yeah, exactly. you're, it, you've, got a sort of, you've got a responsibility to see that. You can't just sort of say, oh, sorry, uh, nobody, uh, nobody's qualified except my buddies. Yeah, yeah ex exactly. And like even, it goes even with the, like the equal pay thing, 100%. If, if there's a female actress that has the same value as a male actress, they should get equal pay, 100%. If there's a female actress that doesn't have the same value, like in terms of like, you know you put this guy in a film, it's making 100 million, but you put her in a film, it's making 20, then why should she get the same? Like, and I mean that for men and women too, not just, like she shouldn't get, doesn't matter if she's a lead, if any film she puts out makes 20 and every film he puts out make 100, he deserves to get paid more. But if, they, if they're here and she's like, her films make that, then she, of course she should get equal pay. Like, it's a joke. Um, it is time to start taking some questions. We've got a microphone over here. And while people are coming up, Noel, one last question. Yep. In, your time on in your time on Doctor Who, is there one unsung hero that, made that, that helped make that show uh, succeed who, who we never hear the name of that person that you think um, somebody, sort of an uncredited hero for making that show possible? I mean, we, we, I would say Julie Gardner probably. Like, I know she was the exec and her name was there, but you never, you always saw Russell and you always say, but Julie Gardner and Jane Tranter were the women that like really brought it back and pushed for it, you know, and, and, and really were involved in, in, in making sure that it was done the way fans would like it. Um, and so, yeah, them probably. All right. Um, it is time, it is question time and uh, we've got about 10 minutes. So please Woo! ask question quick, questions quickly. I know. I uh, just actually, it wasn't a question, it's more of a comment. You're talking about the development of Mickey and just where he came from in season one. And I think it was one of the best parts of the whole season. Uh, personally, I thought that Rose was selfish and that Mickey deserved better. <laughs> so, by the, so by the time we got to um, like Boomtown and you started really defending against her as a character, I really loved watching that development. And I loved watching you just in, you know, Rise of the Cybermen and the growth of the character overall. And I think you did a fantastic job in it. Oh, thank you so much. Thank, thank you, you very much.
Hi. How are you? Um, What's up? <laughs> you actually talk about how you're a wonderful father, and I want to know if you would actually wish my husband and father a happy birthday. Today's his 40th birthday. There he goes. He's your husband or your father? Well, no, he's he's the father of my daughter, but he's my husband. You call him daddy as well? <laughs> I bet you do. Yo, happy birthday, brother. Woo! Seven months. You've got a seven-month-old. That's kind of... No, I, I got... A, What's that? Yeah, I remember her from yesterday. Hide and seek, right? Yeah, she's a cutie, man. I was playing hide and seek with this little girl yesterday. She was loving it, laughing. I'm like hiding behind people. She's like, where's he at? <laughs> yeah. Um, no, seven, seven-year-old, four-year-old, five-week-old. Wow. Yeah. Dude, my woman would be the most amazing if she had a seven-month-old, four-month-old, and five-week-old. That would yeah. be like... She would either be the most world record-breaking woman or I'd be like the worst man on the face of the earth if I had kids, kids that age. Yeah, how old are your kids? Yeah, seven months, four months, and five weeks. Same woman? No. Same woman? Who does that? Same woman. Ridiculous, man. Yeah, hi. Hello. Um, first off, I love you. Thank um, you. <laughs> I love off. you, too. <laughs> Sup? <laughs> Off. Was it difficult to go from your awesomeness into that happy-go-lucky character that everybody loves? Um, no, I mean, no. It's just, just, just you know, trying to. Uh, it was, it's weird because it's so, so not me. But I, I did, like I said, even though I thought I did it badly, I did love being that guy because it's so different to me. You know, we'd be on set and we'd be like, yeah, Mickey, uh, cut. So. <laughs> Action! Ooh, oh, yeah. No, it's it's Ricky. It's Mickey. You know, you know. It's just so I, I did love doing it, um, but it, yeah, it's very different. But yeah, I, I I did love it. He's he's an amazing character, and I I love where he's, you know, where he went. Thank you. You know, I really don't think that you can blame yourself for the charging at the disappearing TARDIS. Thing. No, I can't. I can. We gotta blame Keith Buck on that. <laughs> no, you can't, can't blame Keith. You can't blame Keith. Like, there's a number of things, you know. It's there. It's, uh, it's in the script, so you, but we're not going to blame Russell. We love Russell. It's in the script. He's directing it. I'm performing it. It's a number of factors. And I, I don't think, it's not necessarily that that itself was about, it's just like the tone was just not there, you know? Yeah. Got, like, you know, it was great. Hi. Hello. Um, so I'm really interested in the sort of headcanon that actors have for their characters. Um, so I'm wondering because Mickey stayed in the parallel universe because he felt he had a place there. Yep. But then in the end, he came back. And so I'm interested in if you have some sort of idea as to what, um, what was going through the character's head to stay. Yeah, well, I think um, what was going through the character's head to stay was actually replacing... It wasn't so much that Mickey had a place there. He had to fill Ricky's place there in terms of they still had um, loads of Cybermen uh, things to, to, to break up, because they talk about France, don't they? Like in Paris, they had loads of those things. So I, I like to think that by the time they come back at the end, they've dealt, they've dealt with it in, in their world. They've dealt with it. And so what was starting to happen is because they were dealing with it so well, it started bleeding back over into this universe, which is why we then started having to cross over. Thank you. You're welcome. Excuse me. Sup? So, <laughs> she's learning. I had yeah, to do it. That was sexy. I was like, ooh. 
Um, I'm actually an inspiring screenwriter, and Sweet. I also really um, love the pre-production aspect. And I've I've loved your films. I've seen Adulthood. I haven't seen Adulthood yet. What? It's on, it's on the list. It's on the list. And get I'm the really get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Next find question. It. Yeah. I can't find it. Um, and I really loved four, three, two, one. Oh, thanks. And I like the common themes there. It also, it really gives a giant. Like to me, I really felt like a. It's, it's very Spike Lee. Yeah, I like, guess yeah. Um, the the feel of the writing and yeah. everything, and um, from both a production standpoint and also a writer standpoint, because uh, Adulthood was independent. Was it independently yeah. filmed? Yep. How do you for someone who wants to get their work out there? How how did you go about getting the funding and getting everything together? I mean, I'll be honest with you. There is no right answer to that. Like, uh, you know, I'm doing, even now, like I'm doing a film with a guy called Paul Salamoff. He's sitting over here right now, you know, called Equivalence. Stand up, Paul. Where are you at? Yeah, boo, boo. Yeah. Um, and we're, we're producing, we're producing his movie. And it's still hard to get finance. You know, it's not easy. You know, you, you have to go through a lot of ways. So there's no real right answer. Kiddohood hit a specific time where the, 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 the youth in the UK needed a voice and that film kind of was giving them a voice. Um, so it, it's, it's very difficult. And I still, I still don't always raise the money. So I can always, you know, I work with people that can, can do that stuff. Um, um, but it, it's tough. But I mean, keep persevering. Uh, in terms of the right people, um, it's, again, who's the right people? Who are the wrong people? You never know. Like you can work with someone for ten years, and that you know they're the right person, and then someone you think, oh, I don't like this guy, just goes, hey, I can get that done, and they get it done. You're like it's just, it's all relative, you know. But yeah, keep the best thing to do is to keep writing creatively and keep writing about things you know. Keep writing about things. Uh, what I always do is like, what would I like to see? I would like to see X. Okay, great. Have I seen X before? Uh, yeah, I've seen it before. So how do I make my ex different, or how do I think of something that hasn't that I haven't seen that I'd want to see? Because if you want to see it, and you know the kind of shows that you like, then likelihood is that they want to see it too. You know, so just keep thinking that way and keep going. Awesome, thank you so thank much. Sup? Sup? What? Sup? <laughs> hey. So, um, my question comes from the whole parallel universe thing, also with uh, you know Mickey and Ricky. Yeah. How did it feel working with two of yourself on screen? It was awesome. I'm awesome, so like it wasn't. <laughs> I mean, there's only one thing better than one of me on set. It's two of me, right? Yeah. And so you know, it was fun. I mean, the other guy can be a bit difficult. He separates his blue M&Ms and stuff like that. But generally, I hate, I hate people like that. But generally, it was fun. It was fun. You know, you're just being lighthearted and then gruff. It was great. All right. Thanks, Thank brother. And we're running out of time, so quick questions, please. All right, so my uh, quick question is, um, I know you really seem to enjoy the, the very dramatic, tough um, kind of acting, but you have excellent timing, and you're very funny. Thank you. So would you... Thanks, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, would you consider doing comedy at some point? Like, just uh, something... We, we have a rom-com. We have a... I don't know, what, are you flicking? What's he flicking? IMDb over there, what's he doing? All right. We have a we have a, a, a rom com called The Knot, which is a wedding movie. Like I think you guys would really love it. It's on uh, I think it's on Netflix here or on, on Amazon. It's around in the U.S. I know it got picked up in the U.S. Um, and it's got Tallulah Riley from um, Centurions and stuff. Mina Savari, myself. It's really funny. Okay. 
And so if you like if you like time the, the comedy and the time and then you should you should check that out. I think you'll like it. I will. Thank you. Thank you so much. We're asking together. Yeah. Um, mom, mom, the flight's at five, okay? Sorry, just um first off, I you're one of my favorite characters. Mickey is one of my favorite characters. Thank I you. I love you. So. Thank you. I love you too. Um, <laughs> and so in the beginning, did you think Mickey was like a good character or did you think he was really like kind of cowardly and could have done better to try? Oh, I think he was a great character, but he I mean, he was a bit of a coward, you know. I kind of uh, scared. He was like he was like the shaggy of the <laughs> It wasn't he? You know? Exactly. He was like the shaggy of Zoics, you know, Scooby. You know? He was like the shaggy of the show, I kind of think. If it was like the Scooby team and like the doctor was Fred and Rose was uh, what was that chick called? Daphne, and uh, Camille was uh, Velma, or whatever. Like, and the TARDIS was Scooby. Like, you know, he was like, he was like the Shaggy of the of the thing. I think, you know. So, uh, but but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I have a second question. Oh sure. Um, pizza or Chinese? Pizza or Chinese? Pizza all day. What? <laughs> what what kind you, of you, you, you what don't kind answer of, that what you don't of, answer that the other way here. Yeah. What kind of question is that? Pizza. <laughs> Get out of here. And our last question. Hi. Hello. I was wondering what was your favorite alien out of the entire series? Oh, good question. Um, oh, uh, well, technically aliens. Cybermen are not aliens, are they technically? You know, no, the machine. You were an auton. Yeah, I mean, but they're not my favorite, so... I don't know. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, pizza. Oh, <sighs> um, my favorite alien... Oh, I like those little uh, things, those little things. They look like the... Whoa, 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 when all of you... Children, when all of you speak at once... <laughs> you, madam. Yeah, those guys. Those guys, I love those little, those little things. So I didn't... <laughs> yeah, I, I, never, I never worked with them, but I, they, they would be, when I was watching, I was like, damn, why didn't I get to work with them? Because I could see Mickey like, get the, f just kicking them, like, get out of here. Like, I thought it'd be really cool, but I never got to do that, um, so them. But in terms of my actual thing, Cybermen, I, I really, I love Cybermen. I love Cybermen. So there you go. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. So you have, if, if people want to find out more about Noel's upcoming comic, The Troop, I'd say following Titan Comics on Twitter would be a good idea. Yeah, you should be following them anyway. They put a Doctor Who comic out. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the Hood movies, is that the, uh, is that the ID for That your? makes it sound like a little X-rated, but it's yeah. kind of a... <laughs> That's it. That's the one. At, at the Hood movies yeah. for uh, Brotherhood. Yeah. Brotherhood. Yeah. Everybody, give it up for Noel Clark. Thank you. Thank you all.